This is the Big Pond. American industry has met the challenge of war. American factories have achieved the impossible. American mass production is delivering the goods. In World War II, America was a manufacturing heavyweight. When they turned their mighty industrial production towards the war effort, U.S. factories helped achieve victory for the Allies. United States engineers harnessed the skill, mobilized the resources of the most efficient manufacturing system in the world. After the war, industry in Europe was in shambles. But America's manufacturing sector, it was a powerhouse and the envy of the world. Throughout the 50s and 60s, a quarter of all working Americans were employed in industry. Manufacturing was humming. This company, the Die Masters, came out of that era. The company began producing tools and parts in 1947 in Chicago's vibrant industrial belt. And its machines are still producing parts today. So this, this is our, our automated area. But these days, the Die Masters machines are much more sophisticated. There's a lot of automation in the plant now, says Paul Remington. But it's getting really hard to keep all those machines running. In the last two years, we've gone through five different maintenance people. Drug problems, skill isn't what they should be, another one somebody else hired him away. Paul Remington bought this company almost 30 years ago. He and a partner ran it for 23 years. Then, six years ago, they sold it. But Remington loves the company. So he stayed on to focus on the part he really enjoys, recruiting and training new workers. But he says when he tries to replace technicians, the employees who really know the machines and how the process works, he can't fill those vacancies. It's very worrying. You can't find them. It's, it, that skill is, is, you can't find it today. There, there's not a company, anybody manufacturing needs a maintenance people. It's the most sought-after position today and most unfilled skill. And it's not just maintenance technicians. There's a whole raft of tradespeople, toolmakers, machinists, all the key skills that make manufacturing possible. They're all in short supply in America. Remington says the U.S. education system doesn't produce them. And what's really troubling, he says, is that the few experienced technicians they do have are on the verge of retiring. Things go unfixed. I mean, we, we, we fix what absolutely has to be fixed, but things just don't get done. So you're not operating at your maximum? No, it's a bottleneck. It becomes a bottleneck. It's very frustrating. It's a frustration being felt in manufacturing across the country. So here in Chicago... A handful of companies decided to turn to a German strategy to try to resolve their workforce crisis. So they all go through the same spiral wrap then, right? No? So, yeah, they go through the same spiral wrap, but they enter in different spots. Okay. So if you look over here. On the factory floor at BBS Automation, Eric Smith, the head of electrical design, is mentoring their newest apprentice. Right angle. Try to keep everything at a right angle. Mm-hmm. And then this one, you want to put a little curve for the door. He's showing him how to wire what's called a disconnect box. They use them in all their automated machines. And what end, would you start at this end then? Yep. Okay. Now, apprenticeships have been around in the U.S. for decades. But this program, the one that Jahai Taylor is doing here at BBS, this is not your grandfather's apprenticeship. From the start, they pay for all your classes, all your books, 
all your training that you get on site. So it's a literal debt-free way to get an education and find a career. Jahai is even paid an hourly rate while he's in training at the company. For him, that's a huge deal because he's got a big chunk of student debt to pay down. You see, Jahai started out going to college. He studied physics for two years, which he found he really did not like, and then he started into engineering. But the whole time, he says, he was worried. His student debt was ratcheting up, and he wasn't sure what job all this studying was leading to. That's when he heard about the program he's doing now, what's called the ICAT apprenticeships. And then he walked in here, onto the shop floor at BBS. What excited me when I came in is I saw all the different machines that the company was working on. I saw like a small machine that was literally twining wires together. And then I saw a huge 20 station machine and I couldn't even tell what it was making, but I was just like, oh my God, somebody built that. Like that was an idea that was in somebody's head and then became this. And if I work here, I get to be a part of that. I want to work here. Jahai is a bright 23-year-old African-American kid from the other side of Chicago. He lives with his parents and has to drive an hour and a half to get here every day. But he doesn't resent it because Jahai really likes what he's learning. He's exactly the kind of candidate that high-tech manufacturers are hoping to draw into this new apprenticeship program. An enthusiastic young person capable of working at both ends of the company. Uh, For example, today I'm working in a program called SolidWorks. Jahai's training requires him to spend part of his day on the office side of the building working on the computer. So right now this is a system that will supply oil to the rest of the machine. And what I'm doing is finding the exact parts that we need, putting them into the design, and then making sure that we have a proper count of them so that when we go to order the actual parts when we build it in real time, we have enough parts and we're not scrambling back to order more. In a few days, Jahai could be helping to put that same machine together back here on the factory floor. Jahai's apprenticeship is based on the German system, which combines on-the-job training with a very rigorous curriculum of academics. Two days a week, he goes to a local community college where he's learning all the principles of modern manufacturing, pneumatics and electronics, but also computer programming and design. A number of community colleges in the Chicago area have partnered with the ICAT program to give the apprentices a specially designed curriculum that's closely based on the one apprentices learn in Germany. Jahai really likes the combination of work and study. He says for him... Just straight college was too theoretical. He likes to use his mind, but he also likes to use his hands. And now he gets to do both. I'm working in the design aspect, which is before we even begin the first step of building. I'm working alongside the builders actually building the machines. I've been involved with every single piece of the process. And I've only been here for seven months, eight months. The official name of this apprenticeship program is the Industry Consortium for Advanced Technical Training, ICAT, and it got started three years ago. It was the brainchild of seven Chicago-area companies, all but one of them German-owned. Peter Riele was at the center of it all. We picked the German-style apprenticeship program because it's the highest industry standard in the world, not because we are a German company, 
but we know what we are getting into and how high the standards are and the quality of, of education. Peter Riley moved to the States five years ago to head up Wittenstein North America. They manufacture high-tech gearboxes and motion control systems that are used in the energy industry and aerospace, among others. Their headquarters are in Munich, Germany. And really says, over there, they're constantly training up new young talent through the German apprenticeship system. So far, in our headquarters, we have 48 apprentices. They have a high-tech environment, so really the best machines uh, you can get for training these young students. But he says in the U.S., most companies expect the education system to produce all these skilled workers. Companies are constantly hiring. And you spend a lot of money for uh, people helping you, hiring good workers, uh, aerospace engineers, application engineers. Uh, and then you have to onboard them, you have to train them. And we have a highly uh, complicated uh, product. We have uh, specialized products for very harsh environments, extremely high quality standards. So our onboarding process, our training and our investment in new people is extremely high. It is a great time to be a high-tech manufacturer, Relay says. Here in the U.S., there's a big market for their products and lots of room for growth. But he says it's been difficult to grow their American production. We have machines uh, between $1 million and $1.5 million, and we can run these machines only one shift. That was one incident. We had a machine for over six or eight months running only one shift. Because why? We had no machine operator. And he says the young engineers they are able to hire after many months of training, often as not, they're snatched up by competitors who are equally desperate. It's a very competitive environment. We are surrounded by very good companies here in the Chicago area and the Midwest, especially machine tool companies, high-tech companies, and everybody is growing. So employees, good employees is the key. I spoke with Peter Riley at Chicago's enormous downtown convention center. He had come here to attend a trade show, but not just any trade show. The International Manufacturing Technology Show. This trade show is held twice a year in Chicago and is the biggest of its kind in the country. In the giant showrooms, dozens of robotic arms whiz around, showing off their dexterity. Big ones bend and swing in the air like giant breakdancers. Smaller robotic arms show off their fine motor skills, assembling, then disassembling, electronic components faster than any human being possibly could. It's all very impressive. And surrounded by all this shiny, acrobatic machinery, it's obvious how technologically advanced manufacturing has become. Which is why the U.S. so desperately needs a new generation of very skilled technicians just to stay in the game, says Peter Riley. The world of a machine operator has dramatically changed. These are more engineers, IT professionals. They have to understand scientific materials. They have to understand sensor technology. You have so much electronics data, and it's accelerating. And that's what I mean also by being competitive in the United States. You, you need these people which understand that process. It's much more than pressing uh, buttons on a control and the machine does the job. 
German manufacturers have had an influence in Chicago for many years. They first started setting up shop here in the 60s. Now there's more than 350 German-owned manufacturing companies in this area. Most are small or medium-sized. Many are family-owned. They're a kind of satellite community of Germany's own manufacturing sector. Really explains that back in Germany, there are thousands of these small to medium-sized manufacturers. In fact, they're the backbone of the German economy. And they have been so successful that manufacturing in Germany still employs almost 20% of their workforce, the second highest rate in the world. In the U.S., only about 10% of working Americans are now in manufacturing. Relay says Germany's companies have succeeded in part because almost all of them have developed a niche, a small number of products, often high-tech products, that they make better than anyone else in the world. But for that, he says, they needed very skilled workers. And so they came together and, and started the whole system six, 60, 70 years ago. The apprenticeship system. The apprenticeship system. And so they breed their own uh, skilled labor and workforce. Now the hope is that this German model could produce similar results here in America's northern industrial heartland. It's had a promising start. Just three years in, the ICAT program has expanded from five apprentices in the first year to 44 young people who are starting their apprenticeships this year. And on the company side, it's grown from the original seven, mostly German companies that got it started, to a total of 45 companies that have signed on to date. And half of those companies are American. It is an investment. Companies can expect to spend thirty to $50,000 per year for each apprentice. The company that Jahai Taylor is training with, BBS Automation Chicago, is also a German-owned company. Although in this Chicago operation, almost the entire workforce is American. And its president is an Irishman, Dara Staunton. Well, I started, I left school when I was 14 and started as an apprentice in Ireland. Uh, so I, I knew exactly what being an apprentice is and what, what that means. But he says there are challenges to growing this kind of intensive apprenticeship program in the U.S. He says a lot of manufacturers here are not convinced they need to invest that much money in their workforce. So I think employers, one, need to change change about how they see it, that if you invest and you, and you, you educate your workforce that can't be a bad thing. That it's, you, you don't go out to, people have said here, oh, we, we, if you go to Walmart with a pickup truck and you bring the people back and you put them to work on the shop floor, it, it doesn't work that way. You know, the competitiveness that this country has, the competitiveness that we have is not in me, it's not in the building, it's in the people putting it together. Um, and that goes all the way down to the guys putting stuff on the, on the conveyors at, in an Amazon factory. If you get your box and it's not, it's not right, I mean, you're not going to be a happy customer. And it's the same here. If the people don't do the job that they're trained to do and the product is bad, we're not going to be in business long. Companies, peers of mine have said, you're crazy. It's going to take three, four years before these guys are useful to you. The apprentices within six months are, are, are working on, on, on paid projects. So, I mean, I have a completely different view to what they perceive it to be because I'm actually doing it. Part of the issue, he says, is that American and German companies generally take a very different view of planning and profits. In Germany, manufacturers invest in the long term, planning five, ten years down the road. Whereas in the U.S., Staunton says American companies are often fixated on short-term results and quarterly profits. 
I don't know when that switch happened. Companies launching products, it's quarter to quarter, and that's bad. It's, long term, that's not a good thing to have. I mean, if you look at a three-month period in a business, it's nothing. We here certainly don't look at it from a quarter to quarter. It's where are we going to be in five years? Where are we going to be in three years? And I believe anyone running a company have an obligation to make sure that that, that entity lives for three, four, five, six, ten years. And you're only going to do that by building a, a proper foundation. And then there's the kids. Stodden says in Germany and many other European countries, young people jump at the chance of apprenticing in a modern manufacturing company. But in the U.S., he says a lot of the companies that have joined the ICAT program have had a hard time finding good candidates to apprentice for them. He says most American kids are convinced they have to get a four-year college degree to succeed in life. If you don't go to college and be a doctor or, or uh, an optician or whatever that is, you're not somebody. And a car mechanic is a dirty job or uh, putting windows into a building is a bad job. Our industry in particular, people think it's, a, you know, it's not a nice job. And you know, it's far from that. Uh, it's, it's, it's a very interesting and rewarding job, but it's not valued. In fact, to make the ICAT apprenticeships more appealing to Americans, the organizers worked with the community colleges involved so that by the end of the program, the apprentices will have a two-year associate's degree, something that the German system doesn't do. But Staunton says parents still take a lot of persuading. Many of them hate the idea that their kids will go off and work in a factory. But then... A lot of Americans still think of manufacturing the way it was in the 60s, with the assembly lines, noisy and dirty, dusty and dank. In the 1980s, U.S. companies started outsourcing a lot of this manufacturing, setting up their factories in Latin America and Asia, where labor is cheap and not so choosy. While back in the States, young people were increasingly disdainful of any job that smacked a blue collar and college seemed the only way to go. But today's modern high-tech factory is a completely different creature. Inside BBS Automation's plant, for example, the walls are white. There is a constant shushing sound from the pneumatic machinery, but it's not hard on the ears. The ceilings are high and airy, it's bright, and they keep it very clean, says Eric Smith, the head of electrical design. As long as we can keep our environment clean, it makes it attractive to customers. It makes it easier to build machinery because you're not contaminating things. In many ways, this BBS plant shows just how far manufacturing has come. Inside the plant, you see dozens of huge white boxes. Inside each box is a different robotic machine, designed and built here in the company. Some are quite simple. Others are very complex. BBS is a custom automation builder. What that means, Smith says, is that clients come to them with products that up to that point have been made by hand. So that's the big challenge for us is that, you know, if you've been assembling something by hand for so long and now you want to automate the process, how do you mimic a human being putting something together with a robot or with um, automated equipment? Robots and automation. This is the core of modern manufacturing now. It's fascinating stuff. But getting kids interested in making this a career, that's still a challenge. Although schools in the Chicago area are certainly trying. 
Back downtown, herds of children have been bussed in to the International Manufacturing Technology Show. They're set loose to explore the wonders of robots and state-of-the-art technology. I wish the show was every year. I wish it was three times a year. You could see all the enthusiasm with the kids here, and they went as low as middle school and elementary to get these kids interested in this now. Frank Lamantia works in career development with four local high schools. He's been trying to interest more kids in manufacturing because there's so much opportunity there, he says, and so many well-paid jobs. But he says schools have had to rebrand their programs just to make them more appealing. A lot of the manufacturing programs are changing their title to engineering technology. Why? Because you say manufacturing to a parent, oh, no, no, my kid's going to do more than that. Because they think it's a dead-end, low-skill, low-wage job. When you say engineering technology, they hear the word engineering, all of a sudden their ears perk up because, oh, yeah, every parent wants their son or daughter to be an engineer. And in truth, it is complicated for companies to find the right young candidates for this line of work because it's a field that straddles the line between trades and academics. It's easy to find kids here at the convention who love maths and sciences and technology, but a lot of them think like 15-year-old Evan Benjamin. I'll probably also just uh, do like the four years of college just because like I want to be like an engineer, and it's just like I want the, uh, the four years of engineering. Come on, they're close together. You shouldn't be doing this. And then at the other end, there are kids like these four teenagers from Pike County, Illinois. Are you guys interested in, in getting work in, in the manufacturing sector? 100%, yeah. It's going to be, I'm really looking forward to it. Blake Palmer, a curly-haired 16-year-old, has taken school courses in welding and machining, and he loves it. Yeah, welding is fun. We, me and him, we'd taken a small course our sophomore year, and then we heard about machining and how they need more jobs, and it's really fun, except the tap drill stuff the decimals they have to do from like one-fourth equals yeah it's well, you gotta have you know for the good jobs you still have to have a pretty decent level of math right? yeah it's i'm horrible at math so it's hard <laughs> i'm bad and there is the dilemma kids who are attracted to the trades often shy away from math and sciences and the kids who can handle the math and sciences usually think college is the only way to go and to be fair very few kids have any idea that there is a middle path in manufacturing where you can combine working with your head and working with your hands and make a very good salary along the way. But now at least, there are a few young ambassadors showing the way. Five of them are, at this very moment, three stories above the trade show, about to graduate. It's the ICAT apprenticeship's very first graduation. Darnell Kaiser Bieland Medals. The five young apprentices walk across a blue-lit stage to receive their diplomas. In fact, they're receiving three things. The two-year college degree, their journeyman papers as newly minted tradespeople, and one last thing that very few people in America have ever earned, a German industrial certification. On stage, the head of the ICAT program, Mario Kratz, explains that this certification will allow these apprentices to work all over the world. And right now, is it 45 or 35 countries? 35. 35 countries, so just think about that. The certificate you will get is valid in 35 countries. Although none of them will be traveling right away. As part of the program, these graduates have all agreed to work their first two years with the companies that trained them. 
After the ceremony, Andrew Splett, who's one of the graduates, says he's really hoping to work with his company, Herman Ultrasonics, for many years to come. I have no reason to leave. They treat me extremely well over there. Uh, I think of everyone over at Herman as my second family, pretty much. So it's, um, it's a pretty good gig, in all honesty. I don't see myself leaving for a very long time. And there it is, the company loyalty that all of these manufacturers are trying to engender through these apprenticeships. By investing in these young people and mentoring them every day, the company leaders hope they won't be lured away by competitors. It's a relationship that Andrew seems really happy with. And the work? Well, he's developed a real passion for it. His company specializes in using ultrasonic technology to weld plastics together. Oh yeah, I find it insanely interesting. Everything about it is, there's just so much unknown about the technology as well that when you start really diving into and really getting deep down into like the roots of why it's happening and you start really talking about the science and math behind it, it's just fascinating. Both Andrew and his mother, Kathy Split, have become big advocates for these apprenticeships. His mom says she talks to other parents about it all the time. Anytime a mom is saying that their son or daughter is unsure of what they want to do, they like the engineering classes, we always say you should try this ICAP program. It's a win-win, no debt, and that Andy was also impressed that, Mom, I have a job for two years after I graduate. Like, it's in the contract. And that was a relief off of his shoulders, thinking, how am I going to find a job? Everybody's looking for jobs. So I loved it. And she says she was also surprised at what a wide range of experiences her son got during his training. She thought he was just going to learn how to run machines. Hermans, they've let him kind of go to each different uh, department to find his fit instead of just staying behind a machine all day. He helped with marketing. He helped a little bit with sales to see where he would be best suited. So that was very interesting to me that they looked at it that as more of a well-rounded person than just you're just going to work on machines all day. And that's part of the philosophy of the German apprenticeship system, explains Peter Relay, the president of Wittenstein. In fact, he says, in Germany, an apprenticeship in industry is considered just as valuable as going to college. Here in the U.S., if you're not uh, graduating from college, it's, you have not so many choices. It's kind of the stereotype. Germany is completely different. You can go to college, but you can be also graduating as an apprentice and make the same career. You can become a manager in a company, you can become a CEO, a CFO, whatever. There's no limit. You are not put in that corner, so you didn't graduate from a university, so you cannot do the job. Many, many company leaders, and I know many of them, small and medium-sized companies, they started as apprentice and today they own the company. They are the owners and the CEOs. And he hopes it will work the same way here. Because these ICAT apprenticeships, he says, are meant to be the beginning of a career with a company, not just a job. And that idea is slowly spreading. The first company we visited, the Die Masters, they've joined the ICAT program now too. And they just got their first apprentice. His name's Oscar. He's not here right now. He's doing his classwork at the local community college. But Paul Remington is very excited about the program. He says after years of searching and not finding the people they need, now he feels hopeful for his company's future. That's why this is so exciting. You bring a young person in, they have so much energy, and it it just infects people. 
In fact, Remington's feeling a creeping optimism about the future of American manufacturing in general. He meets a lot of students around Chicago at events like career days and robotic championships. Kids are now working on robots, drones. These kids are learning the same kind of skills that we need in the manufacturing arena. So these, these kind of young people are now beginning to see that this is an alternative. It hasn't switched it. We're not past the tipping point, but we're seeing a big change. And the parents, too, he says, are beginning to be more open to the idea of sending their kids into manufacturing. You know, instead of their young person going to school for four years and saying, now what am I doing living in the basement, and their alternative is, no offense to Starbucks, to be a barista, versus if you look at our plant, look at many of the people that, that are part of this advanced manufacturing, it is not dirty, dark, and dank. It's absolutely snazzy. So I think, you know, this whole advanced manufacturing idea is beginning to catch on. And he says the ICAT apprenticeships are showing how well it can be done, drawing on the German model in which companies take on the role of educators, investing in young people, mentoring them, and compensating them for their training. So that young people emerge from an apprenticeship highly skilled and excited to be part of the industry and also feeling a deep current of loyalty to the company that gave them the opportunity. Remington says it's time for his company to try this new approach, and he can't wait to see the results. In Chicago, I'm Rhoda Metcalf. Wunderbar Together. You've been listening to The Big Pond, a series of dialogues between Germans and Americans. Coming to you from PRX and the Goethe Institute.